Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Truth Talks TV. Thank you so much for joining us. We have an amazing guest. His name is Anthony Wilson, and he's here to share his story and his experience when he was wrongly accused. Now he's bringing change and he's the bridge between the law and police. So let's let's just celebrate this man who's on here. Like we don't have too many men out here that's uh, being a voice in the community and just bringing change. He's a wonderful example and we're so excited to have him. Thank you for joining us for Truth Talks TV. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Truth Talks TV. We are here with our very special guest, Mr. Anthony. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to dig into your journey. Can you share with those that are joining us more about your story and let us learn a little bit more about your leadership and what you're doing in the community? Yes. Tell us. All right. So um, I'm going to go back to where it all began. So Mm -hmm. In 1991, I was um, charged and convicted of first-degree murder for Mm -hmm. someone I didn't know, uh, for a crime I didn't commit. And when I went into the Merlin Penitentiary, I started um, learning the law and working on my case, as they would say, and just trying to prove my innocence. And so during that time, I I was um, financially able to obtain attorneys throughout the state of Merlin. Uh, through through so the go the go forward and come back is I did twenty two years. Um, wow. Through those, through those years, uh, I did have paid attorneys in all my appeals and things of that nature, and none nothing happened. Everything was denied. So the whole up until two thousand nine, everything was denied, and so. Um, I was writing um, the Prince George County Police Department and trying to obtain what they call an MPIA. So an MPIA stands for Merlin Public Information Act, where we request uh, documents that are entitled to us based on investigations or anything that may be uh, readily available for the public. When I wrote to them and I did my MPIA motion, they kept responding back saying that my evidence in my case was destroyed. Now I was convicted in 91. My first MPIA was like 93, I think 92, 93. And the letter I got back was saying that it was, my evidence was destroyed. So I'm trying to figure out how is my evidence mm. destroyed if I just was convicted. So um, the in, in prison, they got something called jailhouse lawyer. I don't know if y'all mm-hmm. ever heard of the term. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. So all the jailhouse lawyers, hey, young and they ain't supposed to do it. Because remember, I'm a young guy. I went in right, when I was right. 19. So I'm like 20, 21. They're like, young and man, you're, you're, they, they doing something with your going with your case. So for years, I always did a request for my for my um, police files. And they always sent me a letter saying, we, we reviewed uh, the, the uh, storage room. We looked for it in our department is it doesn't exist that's what they told me i have letters that it doesn't exist 
So um, what happened was that I kept working on my case. Lawyers were working on my case. Everything was getting denied. I did some pro se stuff. Uh, if anybody don't you know what pro se mean, I did it on my own, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, one day um, I was looking through um, some of my reports or something that, that I had got from one of my attorneys. And and, it, and I looked at it and it was talking about um, some notes and uh, fingerprints and everything that was there. It said it didn't match me. So when I read it, I put it, I, I read it and I, and I thought I was saying things. I said, let me put this down and read it again. And it was saying uh, fingerprints obtained from weapons, uh, um, tested against the known suspect, uh, defendant Wilson came back with negative results. So I'm sitting there saying, we never knew this. If they got evidence that is excluding me from this crime, why didn't we know this? So um, I wrote my, my attorney at the time. He's a very prominent attorney in PG County named Robert Bonsett. And so he was my trial attorney at the time. And uh, he had uh, said, um, Tony, we never had this. And this would have definitely been what they call Brady. I don't know if y'all know what Brady, I heard what Brady evidence is. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right somebody, look, so, look, all of us say Queenie. Somebody knows a little more than we yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. So we we me and, me and Mr. Barnes had talked about that being Brady. So I end up hiring a, a private investigator. And um, is it okay if I say their names? Because they because um, um, I usually yeah, when I do interviews, I I usually give them a shout out because those are the ones that was inter- instrumental in in my release, right? Yeah, and, I mean, it, I don't mind. I don't I don't okay, think it's a so, problem. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had to give them a shout out because they was part of part of my freedom. Right, right, so, right, right. So and it is public that they that they was in my case. She was in my she was in the yes, courtroom with me. Knowledge, yeah. So so, pub, so anything I so this is what I know because I'm in I'm in the legal field now. Anything that's mm-hmm. public knowledge, you is is you can get it. Yes, you right. Know, about it. So her name was Sharon Widenfield, and mm-hmm. so I hired her. And unbeholding me, one day they they called me and they told me I had legal mail. Mm-hmm. I get my legal mail. Guess what it is? Uh-oh. Tell us. Every, every, everything they told me was destroyed in 1993 was in a was in a bat was in a uh, uh a big uh FedEx envelope from Shuring, the investigator. Wow. investigator. Mm, 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 mm. You sh- hey Queenie, you shaking your head? I'm shaking my head this way. I... When I when I opened that up, I said, "This what they told me didn't exist for all these years." Or now. Wow. So this was um, 2006 when I hired her. Oh, um, I received the um, the information in 2007, and I started reading. So remember, I've been in almost like 17 years at the time. Yeah. So I was very, very knowledgeable about the law. Mm-hmm. I could interpret the law. I was even teaching law classes. I was teaching constitutionality wow. classes. <laughs> and so when I started reading, and I'm saying... So it's evidence that's pointing to somebody else. They had another suspect that they was talking about this, all this. So what I want to revert back to real quick, then then come still come back forward is that I was never a suspect in this murder. So that's what a lot of people didn't know. Mm. I was never picked up on the murder that I was charged with, which nobody ever knew. I was picked up on a robbery charge, never the murder. The wow. murder got put on me when I didn't help a detective with the case. 
But nobody knew that. Everybody said, yeah, I never was, I was never a suspect in a murder at mm. all until mm. I was down, down to the county jail. And mm. so, so I end up reading everything. I was, it was what they call five pieces of Brady. I had five pieces of Brady material. Mm -hmm. um, I did my motion. It went in front of it went in front of the best judge I could say in PG County. Melanie Shaw Jeter. Yes. That and me and her, and, and so she's a part of the story where she saw what it was. And her and I, you know, we seen each other before she went to the court of special appeals. And, mm -hmm. and she was definitely like, you know, she said, I, I seen, I, you know, I seen what it was. I said, thank you. And so um I filed my motion. So I brought my motion for y'all today. So this is the motion I filed. Wow. Wow. It's called, it's called I did a motion for new trial based on newly mm -hmm. discovered evidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Prosecutor failure to disclose exculpatory Brady material. Right. So I know, look, Queenie, we know somebody may know a little bit, but I'm going to explain it anyway for those who don't know. <laughs> don't do me like that. <laughs> Feel free to explain. Explain. So, uh, <laughs> So, so where when I used to teach the constitutionality classes in in um in the prison, I used to always tell them, exculpatory means to exclude. Exculpatory. Mm -hmm. When you have incorporatory evidence, it means it includes you as one of the suspects in a crime. So that's how I used to explain it. So in this motion, I basically explained to them that. Uh, on on when I was being tried, I said on July 21st during my trial, a crime scene investigator, I'm not gonna say his name, but he testified on direct examination that he received a tainted eyeglass lens under the vehicle, uh, a telephone, a telephone paging device, and a paper note provided to him by a television reporter. Mm. All right. The reason I put that in it because that's very important. Mm -hmm. The note that he received gave a description of the suspect from a passing motorist who saw the suspect committing the crime. Mm. The note that we got that we never knew about at my trial didn't describe me. It described somebody wow. totally different than me and it didn't and it didn't coincide or, or, or coincide with the only witness that they presented against me. Mm. Mm -mm. So I had, so I said that, so I did the first request. So I told them that I made a request in 1992 where they said that, that they didn't have the evidence, right? This was in 1992. I said, I made a second request. I said, they never responded. I filed my post-conviction. I said, the defendant made a third request hmm. for a motion to, to compel filed in 1997. The court denied that request. I said the defendant throughout the years working institution job stayed enough money to hire a private investigator to obtain uh, his discovery material related to the 1991 murder investigation. So when I used to explain to guys in the prison what discovery was, is discovery is what the crime scene investigators or the detectives discovered during the investigation, meaning witnesses, ballistics, Medical examiner, those things. So they, I make it easy for them to understand why they call it discovery material, right? Because it's what was discovered. 
I said the private investigator hired by the defendant obtained the investigation files almost 17 years later. Mm-hmm. Included in those files was a copy of the paper note describing the suspect involved in the shooting that was provided to detective by the television reporters. The file also included an autopsy report that included a statement saying there were possibly two suspects, which we never knew. And so that was just, I put that in there and it's some other stuff I put in here that um, talked about why those evidence, why those pieces of evidence was important in my case. Mm -hmm. Um, Judge Jeter, Honorable Judge Jeter granted the motion hearing and um, I was in front of one of the hardest nosed prosecutors in PG County, and I know somebody gonna know when I say her name. Now, 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 her and I, her and I, are very, very, now, her and I are close now. But Miss Alana P. Gales. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. You, yeah, you know. But look, men, 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 Alana now. Yes, you know, did. and so she looked at the evidence. And she knew she knew what was going on. It, mm-hmm. it was five pieces. I only talked about two, but it was five other pieces of evidence, three other pieces of evidence that pointed to somebody else. And mm-hmm. so what I did was I was ready to argue my case. And so mm-hmm. let me tell y'all something that was so important, right? Um, uh, the prosecutor that was in the uh, courtroom when I first went for my first hearing, uh, he told uh, Judge Dieter, he said, Your Honor, we don't have the the trial transcripts in this case, because it's a very old case. I didn't go to my first hearing until uh, August of 2008. Mm-hmm. And so I asked Judge Jeter, I said, is it all right if I give him my transcripts that I have? He can have them. So Judge Jeter said, well, your problem is solved. There you go. The defendant's giving you his copy. Because I already had like three copies of my trial transcripts. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I know that's right. Smart. <laughs> Smart. Smart. Yeah, you win this one. Yeah. <laughs> it is. But... But 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 the reason why I was so happy to give him mine because my transcript was mocked up with all the errors that occurred in the case. So when they if they read so they would see how the the one witness lied, the evidence, all that other stuff. And so, but this is what I didn't see at the time, right? It's like uh, the aftermath. Mm -hmm. He told the he told uh, Judge Jeter that he didn't have the transcripts. However, I asked um, Judge Dita, could I talk to, to the prosecutor privately? And she said, sure. Did you, would you mind talking to him? He said, no problem. So they took me back in the jury room. And the first thing I said to him, I'm innocent. I have the evidence now to prove it. This is what he said to me. He said, yeah, I know you um, said you was innocent when you told Judge Johnson that during your sentencing hearing. Mm. Did you catch that? Wow. wow. How can he say he didn't have my trial transcripts, but he knew I told Judge Johnson that I was innocent during my sentencing hearing? I didn't catch it at the time. Mm -hmm. Until later on, I was like, he just lied to the judge. Completely. And so Mm. we had to keep going back and forth to court. He kept saying he wasn't ready. He said he had to check and make sure the evidence that they withheld uh, was never uh, used at my trial. So I come to court and the public, the public defender they had for me, because um, remember, I did this motion pro se. This was a pro mm-hmm. se motion I did. And she said, they offered you life to spend over 30 years. 
So I was like, I don't want to take that. I want to fight. She said, well, mm -hmm. I took it for you already because you had life with no parole. Right. What? So the investigator was in the courtroom. So I said, can I speak to Sharon? So Sharon said, Tony, look, just take the deal because you already got almost 20 years in. And then we can work on proving your innocence when you come home. Uh -uh. So I said, OK. So I said, mm -hmm. all right, we can take the deal. So the deal wasn't that I was still saying I'm guilty enough. And the deal was that they wanted me to withdraw this this motion right mm -hmm. here. They wanted me to draw this withdraw this motion with prejudice. Mm -hmm. And so with, oh, no. prejudice, with prejudice mean I can never bring this motion back oh, up again. No. Right? So so we did that and they gave me the the deal. All right. So now we're gonna speed up now. So I finally mm -hmm. come home. I finally come home. No thought, no inkling hmm. ever crossed my mind to be where I'm at right now as a pearl legal investigator. Right, ever. right, right. When I was in, I was going to open up a barbershop for mm -hmm. little called Baby Boys, Baby Girls for mm -hmm. little twelve and that was I'm I'm business. Yeah. I was I was going to start getting back into my real estate. I was getting into the car. That's my thing. Is when I get home, I'm getting into what I know. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. uh, a young man called me one day and was like, hey, your name Tony Wolf? I was like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, man, somebody told me that, you know, you got yourself out of prison. <laughs> I, was like, I, said, I said, well, first of all, I give God, I, I give God the glory for that. Yeah, but then, right. You know, I never, God comes first for everything. So oh, yes. I said, I said, but yeah, what's going on? He's like, man, I need your help. <laughs> so I said, okay. I said, um, so I never did nobody case since I was home, you know. And I was like, I said, all right. I said, well, I said, send me your case. I said, I said, um, send me your transcript. He said, okay. I took a guilty plea, so his transcripts was enough about like thirty something pages. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. I said, tell your people to give me two fifty, right? <laughs> so I'm gonna tell you how, how. I'm gonna tell you why. Why I came. I came up with the name The Great Injustice. Mm -hmm. because of what happened to me. Yeah. Now I see it happens to all the my cases that I have worked on throughout my time. You know, I've been home 10 years now. So mm -hmm. all the cases I've been working on the last 10 years. So I'm reading this young man's case and to, to tell you what it is, he's a Spanish guy. This this little Spanish kid had a third grade, third, third grade education. He didn't speak no English. Him and some of his buddies were gang members and they went out on a night trying to rob people and carjack and all these things. But what was so um, significant about this was that when he took the plea, the lawyer explained to the judge all these things that would not qualify him to understand any right that they was going to actually no. understand. You know, he, he's third. He's from El Salvador. He dropped out when he was in the third grade. He cannot speak English that well. He can't read and write. But then when the judge say, do you understand that you have a right to have a jury trial and that you can bring witnesses on your behalf? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah see, 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 that's all. Right. They say yes to everything. Yeah, and so I'm sitting there saying, not only is this a judicial misconduct on part of a judge, but we got ineffective counsel 
because the council should have at least asked for an evaluation of this young man. The judge should have asked for an interpreter to say, hey, let's get this young man to see does he understand anything that's being said? Because right. you got you got us grown adults don't really understand our yeah, race. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we know English, right? <laughs> exactly. And right, so, exactly. so um, I did I did the motion for him, and when I did it, his family called me, and they was like, they want to know who you are because they're trying to figure out who did this motion. So now they mad at me because now I'm trying to correct what they did wrong. Mm-hmm. So. I was in the courtroom, so after that, I started getting in people's cases. So guys started calling me, "Hey man, look, I got a case, this and that." So I started helping guys out, and I remember I was in the courtroom, and one of the attorneys, and I talked to him um, about a month ago. I ran into him in the courtroom. His name is Christopher Griffin, and um, I ran into him, and I said, "Chris, I said, I said, you know, you're the reason why I got my certification as a paralegal." He said, "What you mean?" I said, "I said I was in a uh, a hearing with you with one of the clients that I knew." And you was telling, they was telling you about me and you saw some of my work and you was like, man, you know your stuff, but you need to get your papers. Mm -hmm. So when Chris told me that, I didn't know what he talked about when he said, you need to get your papers. But he was telling me, you need to go get certified as a paralegal so you can do this legitimately, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I did, and I told him, because I'm going to tell you about my documentary that I just finished. Man, I was telling Chris that he's in my documentary, so he's waiting to see that. He said, man, I can't wait to see it. So, um, I end up uh, going to Howard, U- Howard University. They had their first time paralegal certification course. It was uh, mm-hmm. it was what they call a uh, when it's when it's the first time thing they do. Um, Inaugural? No, nah, the project when they do a project is um, when they first doing something to see if it'll work. To see oh, beta it. test, beta. Yes, yeah, so it, it was like one of those. Mm-hmm. So the in order for you to get into their class. To that class, they was only accepting 40 students. Mm. And they yeah. said, in order to get into that class, you know, Howard, you know, Howard is extinguished. So yeah. they said you had to do an essay. So I did an essay on my wrongful conviction. Yes. Yes. So so the dean at the time, Joan, Dean Joan, Joanne Spat, she called me down to Howard and said, Can you come down here? Because we want to talk to you. Wow. <laughs> but, you and yeah, so, <laughs> Right, so, yeah, and so yeah, so I went down and talked to them, and they said, "Look, this is very this this Should've essay you did is phenomenal. Should have been free." Yeah, they <laughs> said we, we we're going to we're going to accept you into this course, but we don't want nobody to know mm-hmm. about your situation. All right, mm-hmm. I said okay. So when I started the course, um, uh, one of the professors was a she's a retired judge now, Judge F. She's retired. And so she knew, she already knew that I knew my stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when everybody thought that I was already into doing the paralegal stuff, because um, I started um, doing, I went to the paralegal course, I graduated in 2014, but I was doing the legal stuff for two years prior. Mm-hmm. And so um, the uh, uh, professor asked me to tutor two students, right? Wow. So I, I, I tutored them, they graduated. Mm-hmm. And when I was finishing up my um my finals, uh, Judge Epps told me she said she said Mr. Wilson, I want you to stay out the class, and so this right here is going to be instrumental as to the business that I started. So she said, look, she said, you know your stuff. She said you're going to have to start your own business. 
She said, don't work for a law firm because they're going to use you for what you know. You, mm-hmm. you are advanced than a lot of other paralegals. You know, you have done briefs, you have done motions, you know, you know how to shepherdize, you know how to cite case, you know how to read all the stuff that it was when they, all the students were trying to learn how to go on Atlantic Reporter. You know, I knew all that stuff already because I had 20 years mm-hmm. of wow. yeah. So that's when I started my business. I started the Pearl, I started the Great Injustice Pearly and Consultant Services. I actually registered with the state of Maryland, got mm-hmm. an EIN number. Mm-hmm. Um, I started working on cases now as a paralegal. So I had did my research to see if paralegals could do freelancing, and we actually can. And so one of the issues I ran into, I did a guy's case, and I went up to the public defense office in Baltimore, and the guy, he was acting like, you know, I won't say his name, but he was acting like, you know, his attorney, acting like he was on board. Yeah, man, I see you know your stuff. You know, you're doing good. Well. Um, oh, two weeks later, I get a letter from a uh, Merlin attorney grievance saying that I was practicing law unauthorized. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. So then they come and say, we need to have proof that you are pearly. We need to have proof mm-hmm. that you're not. All this stuff they asked me. So I sent it to him. Sent it to him. Then about eight months later, I get a, a call from an investigator. He said, hey, um, this is such and such. I need to see you on such and such date. You need to be up in Annapolis at da da da. So I went up there. The guy said to me, the investigator, he said, look, he said, you did nothing wrong but one thing. And this is what he told me. He said, everything else you did, because I did contracts. So I used mm-hmm. to do contracts. So what I did in my contract that he said I had to take out was doing the actual petitions or motions. Only way I could do that, I had to be under the supervision of an attorney. Mm. So a paralegal cannot actually file motions on behalf of a defendant or a client unless an attorney has reviewed it and has authorized it to be filed. Mm-hmm. So he said, look, take that part out of your 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 um contract. And he said, you good to go. I said, okay, good to go. Why do another attorney does say the same thing? I worked on somebody else's case, got the same thing. I got all the attorney, I got all the attorney grievance letters. The, the attorney grievance, I did my response. The attorney grievance said, look, we already talked to Mr. Wilson about this. He said he's not going to do that no more. It's done with. Closed out. They closed that one out. So why I bring that up, and I still keep those letters, because I want to show defendants that you have a young, you have a, a, a individual, a man who's been through what you've been through unjustly. Mm-hmm. I'm here trying to help you get it or your freedom, or obtain some justice, as they would say, but the people you say is working for you is trying to knock me down. Right. So are you think they really for you? If anything, wow. you should be wanting to work with me, right. not exactly. against me. Exactly. Now, especially not a technicality, right. you know, on something. Mm-hmm. It's so... <sighs> In situations like these, I kind of look at the big picture. Like, what is the big picture? Right. Whose side are you on? Yeah. What team are you on? Okay, you didn't cross a T. You didn't dot an I. But, and I think about nurses and, and doctors. Yeah. Or, you know, certain things that I'm sure a nurse can do everything a doctor does. But under the doctor, exactly. they have to sign right. on. It's their little gotta, signature. Yeah. They mm-hmm. make all that paper for that mm-hmm. signature. You know, but here you are doing the work. Here you are trying to help people. Bring here justice. you are bringing the change. Right. And 
the one that's turning you in, so to speak, is on a technicality. Now you can look at it two ways. It's like, why would you do that? But then mm-hmm. it's like, thank you. So now I won't get hung up in the future. Right, I'm going to go ahead learning. and take that line yep, out and learning. I'm going to keep on doing business and I'm going to keep on helping people because I yes. won't have issues like you anymore. Yes. But that really does bother me because mm-hmm. it's like, I'm trying to help people. I'm on your side, mister. <laughs> and you are trying to make it hard for me, probably because he was maybe jealous, insecure, um, it could be a, a, a myriad of things, but mm-hmm. it's just interesting that, <laughs> you know, and I know a lot of judges and attorneys are kind of, uh, um, attorneys rather are like, man, he do my job better that's than I taking, do. You taking their job. Right, you right, right. Job so they feel a certain type of way, but that's not the point. The point is you're on the winning, t- you're on the same right, team. to help people who are wrongly help. accused. So if you better than me, by all means. <laughs> you yeah, know, and yeah. I, I um my background is criminal justice. I don't know as much as y'all do, but you know, I started out in the criminal justice field and switched over to um special education and teaching. So I worked with children and teaching in the you know prison system, but I always was fascinated with how these these you know just understanding mm-hmm. that aspect of it. So I pick on Kiki's brain a little bit, but um, you know, I really appreciate you breaking that down. Because I hear a lot of people in, you know, my area when I go in and mentor and stuff, I hear them talking, but it's not a lot of action. Yeah, we're going to yeah. host this summit. We're going to have many parties and summits and right. events. And right. I'm sick of them. I'm gotta... sick of them. I've been hearing that for the longest. I did my work in Baltimore County, or Baltimore, technically city. Yeah. And then did some stuff in Jessup and then, you know, connections to Hagerstown, whatever, whatever. But it was just a lot of talking mm-hmm. and let's go to city hall and da, 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 da. But what are we doing here? Right. So right. it's so refreshing to see you actually doing right. stuff. Helping and, people. Yeah. Like and, a and, whole business. And, and I'm literally thinking back to, honestly, going back to all the kids I mentor. Because the first thing I do is say, what's your ID number? What's your case number? Like every, every single one of them. Because I know that number will connect to them mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if they, what they probably like in their 20s now, maybe 30s. 30s but i had kids i was like i'll be honest with you a 14 year old when i say that broke my heart mm. i was like 14 and they tried yeah. him as an adult just the whole thing mm-hmm. you know so i really just want to i don't even know what i really want to say i just want to I'm grab all that we were able, yeah. just give them to you you know right, what i mean because right. i'm like these kids are like i've seen three generations in a prison and i say mm. that broke my heart That's grandfather sad. father son and i'm like really and there's and so many innocent people their... in jail right now exactly. for crimes that they didn't commit. That's and the part. like we really need people like you to go out Ooh. there and bring change. Mm. Oh, so, well, y'all gonna be up, y'all gonna be upset what I'm about to tell y'all. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. There's more. Yes, it's, it's yeah, it's it's more. <laughs> so when um um I re, um they have a they have a, a um a, a program that Judge Dita started called the Court Reentry Program. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I went to uh, one of the graduations and Judge Gita, she came in because she had got appointed to the Court of Special Appeals. So um, she turned around. We, I was talking to her. And she looked, She said, did you go back to law school yet? Because I, I had went and showed her when I when I graduated from Howard, yeah. I went to show I went to show her and I went into her chamber and showed her. She was so happy. You know, I went to a line of girls, showed her with her yeah. office the table, and she said. You're my poster child. That's what she told oh, me. Right? I love so, it. And so, and um, she said, and 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 so, I was uh uh hearing some of y'all was saying it made me think about what I told Judge Jeter when she asked me did I go back to law school to get my degree in law, and I told Judge Jeter I said, listen, I'm gonna keep my thoughts to myself <laughs> like that, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've been working with attorneys now, mm-hmm. so 
this is something that y'all don't know that'll be it's it's coming out now. I did a documentary. I wasn't even going to do the doc. I didn't even think about doing a documentary on my story. So mm -hmm. there are there are cases in the state of Maryland now who the actual they were actually exonerated, and now the governor is about to give them millions of dollars, but they don't know I was the investigator in the case that mm. proved their innocence. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of the guys who I actually proved his innocence, um, he's my first documentary. Mm -hmm. You know, he's home. Um, they, 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 um, I think he said they offered him like one point something million dollars. And wow. so, and um, what, what I was trying to explain to them is that I don't. I didn't never do this for recognition. I never mm -hmm. did this to be given accolades. I right, did this right, because right, of right. what happened to me. Yes, I felt yes. like a. I felt like a great injustice occurred to me. Yeah, and so that's what my book is. I got a book that's about to come out called "The Great Injustice Business as Usual." So it talks about how those cases I did where that first guy case I did well. That's a great injustice, been as usual. Look, they take him in the courtroom, get him to say he understands it right when he didn't, and block him up. Now, business as usual. They go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's what my book is based on, and then a little bit about my story. And so what, what I found out uh, working on case after case after case is that a lot of times you have prosecutors not all, but you have prosecutors who turn a blind eye mm -hmm. to justice. And they tell you, uh, it's a Supreme Court case, and I think it was Justice Blackburn said that they rather see an innocent man, uh, a guilty man go than an innocent man be put in prison, mm -hmm. you know, when there's injustice in the case. And so... A couple of friends of mine was like, hey, Tony, you need to do a documentary about your story. And I'm like, man, I ain't doing no documentary. I don't care about, but I just want these guys to get out of here. So mm -hmm. my retribution was yeah. to free as many people as I can. Yes. And, I, and I remember one day, and they started sending me in the courthouse a lot. So I remember one day, Alana Gale came in the courtroom. She said, you with this case too? I said, yep. <laughs> so we came out of the hallway and she asked me, she said, Mr. Wilson, are you bitter? I said, I'm wow. I said, I'm gonna show you how bitter I am by how many people I help get out of prison. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's what it's That's like. amazing. You know, that yeah. that is amazing. Like I'm I'm very inspired. You actually make me want to jump out there and like bring change and help yes. because there's so many families that's been ripped apart because the a father or you know a loved one, a brother, a sister were wrongly accused and they're spending time in prison. And it's it's definitely time out for that. So we just want to thank you so so much for joining us, for taking time out of your day to share your amazing journey. And yes. I know that it doesn't definitely don't stop here. You know, I can't wait to see your documentary. Definitely want to support your books. Just congratulations. And I commend you. We commend you on all of the work you're doing, all yes. the work you've done. And I know you're going to do even more. So thank you so much. All right. I definitely appreciate y'all having me also. Thank, thank you. you so much. And guys, this wraps up our episode with Mr. Anthony on Truth Talks TV. Yes. We look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in.